On this prequel episode, we have our Blue is the Warmest Color fan poll follow-ups. We're learning why everyone hated Twilight and previewing Twilight. Oh, welcome back to this Films Lit podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. It's a prequel episode. We skipped our last one for certain reasons, uh, but we're back to our regularly scheduled programming with our prequel episode four. It has now been revealed. Twilight. The Twilight series is our summer series. Summer series. Because 2020 is the gift that keeps on giving. Yep. Uh, the the Twilight series is just called the Twilight series, right? It doesn't have like it's another... the Twilight Saga. Twilight Saga, yeah. yes. But it doesn't have like a... It's not like A Song of Ice and Fire. And no, then, I like, don't think so. Twilight's the first book. I don't think so. I didn't think so either. <laughs> I thought it was called, yeah, the Twilight Saga. So, Okay. That's what we're going to be talking about for uh, the foreseeable future. We have, like normal, we're going to do our uh, some episodes in between. Mm-hmm. It's not just going to be back to back to back all Twilight because we have to have time to read them because uh, some of these are longer books. Mm-hmm. Well, not long, but you know, they're relatively they're, long. They're pretty long um, and they're, especially for young adult literature, they're pretty long. Yeah, they're in the like the some of the longer, like middle longer Harry Potter books. Yeah. So, and about the same level of like reading difficulty, I would say. They're not particularly like difficult reads but yeah they are a little bit longer so. yeah we're gonna take some time to to get to all of those but first we have our patron shout outs no new patrons this week but we do have our academy award winners all right we have our academy award winner patrons uh they're in a slightly different order this week because we sorted them slightly differently but they are alina delet kolova black lives matter uh, I assume that's the person who changes their name every week. Yeah. Because I don't recognize any of the other names here. Or I recognize the other names here. Um, so Black Lives Matter. Uh, Eli Young's Gratch, Just Gratch, Mr. Nobody, and Shelby Says Black Lives and Trans Lives Matter. Second and third edited. Thank you, everybody, who is supporting us on Patreon, uh, especially our, our Academy Award winning patrons. Uh, you You all are the bestest um and we've we're, we're really slamming through your recommendations i think we're i have caught up we have one no we're not caught up we have several okay. that are upcoming but i have them all scheduled out fantastic I, I thought we had a one or two that we hadn't gotten to yet but there's like three in our upcoming but a couple of them like are people that have already requested ones, ones right yes. potentially yeah so if you want to get in there and if you're new Academy Award and you hadn't have a request yet, you can get in there and throw it in. We'll get you get to your stuff first. But we appreciate it. Uh, and yeah, that's that's the benefit you get for staying an Academy Award winning patron. You can keep throwing out them recommendations. <laughs> we'll just keep doing them. Just keep on doing them. All right, let's go ahead and do our fan poll follow-ups for Blue is the Warmest Color. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. So we didn't have a huge turnout for this one. Yeah. I'm guessing not a lot of people have read the book. I'm guessing not a lot of people have read it, and I doubt even a ton of people have watched it. Yeah. It's, for one thing, it's, I mean, it is on Netflix, but it is sort of an obscure, it's not a particularly, like, popular film. It is three hours long. Three hours long. And it is a particularly, like... (sighs) It's not like a... It's not like a popcorn kind of no. a watch. <laughs> no, it's an arts film. It's an art film that is uh, incredibly uh, explicit at times. It's it's not everybody's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. So I get that we not a lot of you know not everybody's seen yeah. it. Um, but no, yeah. and I I anticipated that. But we did get a handful of votes. We had five votes on Twitter. Three of them were for the book, and two of them were for the movie. Um, we didn't get any feedback from anybody. Um, but that's fine. Um, and then over on Facebook, we had two votes, both of which were for the book. And we did have one comment on Facebook from Anthony. And Anthony said, I didn't read or watch. I was initially interested to watch the film before the context was revealed. But by the end of the episode, I decided against it. I also have pretty uh, pretty low um, tolerance, or no, pretty low pretentious French slash Francophone film tolerance, despite being exposed to more of them in Canada. I think I might try to find an ebook version through my library's online catalog. I think that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then Anthony also said, because we did talk about this a little bit in our episode about um, how much we should take the director into account with this particular How much one. you can kill the yeah. artist. How much can you kill the artist here? Yeah. And Anthony said, death of the artist ends up being so context sensitive for mm-hmm. me. I have a harder time ignoring the author if they're racist, turf, violent, etc. I can't treat it as carte blanche for the text. And I agree. Yeah. 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 Um, death of the artist is an interesting lens for looking at a piece of media. But at the end of the day, that's really all it should be is an interesting lens. Yeah. Um, it shouldn't be the only way you look at something, uh, nor should it grant carte blanche, as yeah. Anthony said. Yeah, for sure. And I, there, you know, there's a larger discussion to be had, especially in light of even, again, more recent events with like J.K. Rowling, which we did. We touched on some of that stuff. Um, in the past, and so we won't mm-hmm. rehash it. But there is definitely a place for the argument of if for some people, the artist and and who creates a thing can absolutely ruin a a piece of media for mm-hmm. somebody, and that's fine. Like if you you know yeah. for whatever reason, if 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 the the person who created it, you you just can't separate them from the art. There's you don't have to, and that's fine. And I also think though that at the same time, you know, this is the sentiment that we echoed about J.K. Rowling months ago, um, and Harry Potter is that you don't have to. You, you, if you can't separate it, totally cool. But if you don't, also have to necessarily let the artist steal the art from you. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right. It, it's a fine line to walk. Um... And I think that's something that's best left to each individual yeah. person. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's yeah, it's however you feel about it. Like some yeah, um, and and definitely certain people in certain situations, it's a lot harder. I would imagine mm-hmm. to divorce the artist from the art in a way that they can still enjoy said piece of art. So totally get it. And I yeah, I'm in agreement. I'm just kind of you know expanding. Anyways, all right, uh, that was it for our fan feedback. Thank you for all uh, everybody who uh, voted and replied. Uh, let's go ahead. We're learning. This is it. The learning things segment. Ooh, this is going to be interesting because I bet there are some people coming over from good, bad, or bad, bad who thought they knew what they were getting. Ooh, you thought. When you saw we were doing Twilight. Spoilers, you didn't know what you were getting. Because I co-signed this, by the way. This isn't... (laughs) Katie wrote this section, uh, and I'll chime in, but I do co-sign this. And, uh, well, let's get into it and do our learning things segment. Why did everyone hate Twilight? No matter what anybody tells you, Words and ideas can change the world. All right. Journey with me, if you will, back to the late 2000s, early 2010s. My Chemical Romance, still together. Obama. Hey, they're back together. I know they're back together now, but they weren't there for a good while. Yeah. Um, Obama recently elected to his first term. Shutter shades are the height of fashion. Journey back with me. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> the other two are true. They had a moment. They yeah. had qu- they had a, quite the moment All right. yeah. there. So the first Twilight book was released in 2005 and the last in 2008. She really turned those out. Like it's only she, three yeah, books. Yeah, she really though, right? did. It's four books. Four books. That's, yeah, that's and they're pretty long quick. books. Yeah, oh, she, she, yeah, she churned that's them. Every year. Yeah. Wow. All right. Uh, first movie came out um, a little bit later in 2008 than the last book did. And then the final movie installment came out in 2012. And during that seven-year span, a huge number of people fell in love with the Twilight Saga. Yeah, it was a big craze. A possibly even larger number fell in love with hating it. Absolutely true. (laughs) Yes. Now, a quick disclaimer here on top of Brian's already kind of disclaimer. This is going to be less of a learning things segment and more of a just letting you know how this is going to go segment. <laughs> um, our Twilight Saga episodes are not going to be the dunk on Twilight Hour. We'll be critical of it where we need to be. And yes, that is a lot of places. But shitting on Twilight for the sake of shitting on Twilight is tired. It's not 2012 anymore. No. Uh, we I don't I don't think we shit on anything for the sake of shitting on it. Um, on no, we absolutely don't. And yeah, and I think that that's obviously I think you people would have kind of come to expect that anyways. But uh, in particular, regardless of what it is, there's nothing that we we go into looking 
That's yeah, not what the show is. Just dunk on. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's not what we're about here. No. Now, there are a lot of reasons to dislike Twilight. Um, some of the more critically thought out criticisms um, include it romanticizes unhealthy, possibly even abusive relationships. Um, it pushes a very traditional gender normative perspective, especially in regard to the central romance. Um, there's a large lack of diversity, with the exception of the Quilit, I think is how it's pronounced, mm -hmm. tribe. Um, although whether or not that representation is positive is Fair. very largely up for debate. Yes. Um, El Twilight also has a clear religious slash conservative theme that within the context of the story is arguably very toxic, especially in the later books. Um, and... Another criticism is that it's not particularly well written, um, especially with regard to pacing, character development, and the ever elusive show don't tell. Yeah, yes, and I would even say like the the actual prose at times. Mm -hmm. If I guess that wasn't. A I had title. prose in here initially, and then I replaced it with show don't tell because I felt like that was the larger sin. Yeah. Quote unquote. I would say it's a mixture of things. But yeah, at least it, in my it is a mixture so far. of things. I'm, it's a it's a mixture of of those things, and I think like an over reliance on like adjectives and adverbs. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm only three hundred pages into the first. I say only. I'm I'm three hundred pages into the first <laughs> one. Um, so you know, but I yeah, I would add maybe prose, which is ties into show don't tell, mm -hmm. but I think it's slightly different and mm -hmm. some like some word choice and just that you know just writing style overall. But yeah, yeah. Now, I'm not here to tell you that none of those criticisms matter or that they aren't a big deal. They do. They are. Um, and they are all things that we are very much planning on discussing during this summer series. However, <laughs> there are two pretty important things to note as we move forward with any kind of critique of Twilight. One is that Twilight took an overwhelming amount of flack for exhibiting flaws that arguably a lot, if not most, of other media also suffers from. I don't think it's a stretch to say that the majority of romances and romantic comedies also glorify unhealthy relationships and traditional gender roles. Look at any sitcom pretty much ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, most media also lacks diversity. It's not right. It's not cool. But it's real. Yeah. It, well, most of it lacks diversity. And especially in the time period up till when, you know, 2000, when yeah. these books were coming out. Yeah. So. And aside from being a criticism that's based on subjectivity, there's also a lot, a lot of poorly written media that rarely, if ever, actually gets called out for being poorly written. So if we keep all of that in mind, then we have to ask ourselves did Twilight take more than its fair share of flack? Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing that I want to keep in mind here is that during this time period, again, approximately 2005 to 2012, most of these very valid criticisms were not what was at the forefront of the conversation. I mean, some people were talking about them, but a majority of people weren't having critically thought out conversations about the influence of Stephanie Meyer's conservative religious views on the themes and narratives and whether or not that was a good thing for teenagers to be buying into. Yeah. Most people were just farting out vague theses that lacked any supporting evidence like Twilight is crap or sparkly vampires are dumb. Still a better love story than Twilight. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, you just, like, yeeted me back to 2008. <laughs> Remember that meme, guys? Mm. What a good meme. What a great... All, all 2008 <laughs> memes were so great. Uh, cream of the crop. <laughs> now, some of that was, I think, just because Twilight was mega popular. Yeah. Um, anytime a property gets to that kind of level, you're going to have contrarians who crawl out to hate on it just because. Um... But especially during the height of its fame, a lot of the ire directed at Twilight was steeped in misogyny. Um, it took flack for the same reason that Uggs, boy bands, and pumpkin spice lattes do. Young girls loved it, and that made it stupid and unworthy. 
And it's also worth noting in the same breath that this criticism is also mired in homophobia, mm -hmm. which often goes hand in hand with misogyny. Guess the fuck what? So if we look at that sparkly vampires are dumb accusation a little more closely, well, why? I mean, why does it matter if the completely fictional creature that has no basis in reality has sparkly skin? Why does that matter? Could it be because sparkles are something you associate with girliness? Does the sparkliness detract from the manliness of the vampire, which is hilarious for a lot of reasons, yeah. um, but therefore making it quote-unquote gay? Um, when you boil it down, there's not really a good reason to be hating on that aspect of the story. It is, like I said, steeped in misogyny, steeped in homophobia. I... I mean, I remember all the memes and stuff. I was, and I don't want to go into it a lot here because we'll get into it obviously in the episode when we talk about it. Because I have more to say, um, including potential <laughs> uh, ideas for I think places that could have gotten even, uh, avenues that could have taken the sparkly vampire thing to an even more interesting place. But upon reading it this time, I even I find it not stupid at all. Yeah. <laughs> like I find it completely not stupid and a very reasonable. Um, means to an end for the narrative uh, for uh, for the storytelling that she's trying that she's going for in terms of I need these characters to be able to go out during the day sometimes and do stuff but I'll or or they they need to be able to exist during the day when yeah. people are awake yeah um but so if they're in direct sunlight they sparkle but it's a giveaway but it doesn't instantly kill them because obviously they need to go out during the day sometime to go to school and stuff so that I can tell my story but if a cloud moved behind from behind the sun they don't instantly burst into flames and my characters die like it's a perfectly it's a reasonable perfectly story reasonable element. story element that makes perfect sense and also has some thematic implications that I think are reasonable and yeah. I think could have been taken to directions that were really interesting. I don't know if they ever go there. They haven't so far in the first 300 <laughs> pages, but, um, don't get your hopes up, nah. but <laughs> I'm just saying, I thought that could be interesting. And, uh, and I think even maybe a more self-aware author could have taken it to, uh, the, the, or sort of maybe a more meta analysis of the critique of it being quote unquote gay could have been an interest, but that's all besides the point. Uh, or, or, or conversation for a later date, rather. Um, it's not stupid. It's not yeah. stupid at all. Like, I was, I was it's really not, it's struck not. by how unstupid it was reading it. It's this. not stupid, and literally the only reason to find it stupid is because sparkles equal girly equal gay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if, how much I, if at all, I took part in that. I'm sure I did to some extent, but yeah, I, I, it's, I, it is, yeah, I, yeah. So I wanted to discuss this however briefly as a learning thing segment because i wanted to set the tone for our summer series mm -hmm. like i said shitting on twilight for the sake of shitting on twilight is tired it also lays bare our casual and internalized misogyny and quite frankly i'm not doing internalized misogyny <laughs> anymore i already had my phase of pretending to hate pink because it was girly I already had my not-like-other-girls phase. I already had my phase where I pretended that I never liked or read Twilight. Spoilers, I did. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah. Get over it. I am looking forward to rereading this series and turning a critical eye to it. Certainly, I am more well-equipped to do that at 30 than I was at 16. But just like I refuse to go back to thoughtlessly adoring the series... I also refuse to go back to thoughtlessly criticizing it. Right on. That being said, let's go ahead and learn a little bit about Twilight the Book. You're impossibly fast and strong. You gotta give me some answers. I'd rather hear your theories. I have considered radioactive spiders and kryptonite. It's all superhero stuff, right? What if I'm not the hero? What if I'm the bad guy? All right, Twilight the Book. I really tried to distill this down because there was just so much stuff I could have talked about. Um, but Twilight is a 2005 young adult vampire romance novel by a one Stephanie Meyer. Uh, Meyer claims that the idea for Twilight, the initial little idea nugget, actually came to her in a dream. 
Wow. In June of 2003. Um, she said that she dreamed of a human girl and a vampire who loved her but still wanted her blood. And inspired by that, she wrote a draft for what is now chapter 13 of the book, which is, I believe, is the Meadow yeah. chapter. Yes. Which could work as a standalone little yeah, story. Yeah, I, I think it could work as like an aesthetic kind of, like not something that has a whole lot of plot to it, but yeah. like a kind of aesthetic short story. I think it just, I think it just works as, yeah, like a standalone short story mm-hmm. where you, and, and, and that, it, that, that you sort of figure out what the nature of these two's relationship is yeah. you over don't, the course yeah, of the short story. Yeah, you don't need like a whole lot of backstory no. or anything. And then you realize, you kinda... oh, but especially because we're so steeped in vampire lore and like we know what vampires mm-hmm. are, it becomes very clear over the course of the chapter what what the nature of this character is and i think it works as a standalone story yeah Yeah, i think Um, it would totally work i was gonna comment and say though surely i mean she says it came to her in a dream and and sure but also surely like this isn't the first story to do the 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 monster boyfriend oh not by a long shot i I know i'm just saying like the vampire and and uh, and the girl who he loves then but also wants to eat her surely has several iterations yeah previous to to this so and when we talked a little bit about if you go back to our prequel to interview with the vampire Mm. we talked a bit in that prequel about kind of the evolution of the vampire vampire. um and i haven't fully solidified what we're going to do for all of our learning things segments for this series but i do think it would be interesting to talk about like the trope of the monster boyfriend yeah um so if you want to hear about that let us i know. think that would be a good one for yeah. yeah i think it would be um anyway so she apparently dreamed this um drafted what ended up being chapter 13 um and then continued writing to the end chronologically without worrying about what the backstory for these characters were the last chapter of the first draft apparently kept getting longer and longer and she just kept like adding on to it mm-hmm. before realizing that she what she wanted to do was explore the events of the backstory and how these characters had got to that point um so she apparently planned to write like a five to six chapter backstory and then instead that turned into 12 chapters by the time she was finishing with it um and supposedly then in a matter of three months she had completed the entire novel wow i know pretty quick nothing but time on her hands apparently (laughs) um Now, supposedly, she has said that she was just writing this for her own enjoyment without thinking of ever publishing it. However, she let her sister read it, and her sister really liked it and encouraged her to send the manuscript out into the world. So at this point, story goes that Stephanie Meyer wrote 15 inquiry letters that she sent out. Um, Five of them went unanswered, nine were rejections, and the last was a positive response from Writer's House. So (laughs) she had sent these letters. This is where I feel like the universe intervened a little bit here to give us Twilight. We were granted Twilight by the the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so she sent out these letters asking if they would if publishers would be interested in a hundred and thirty thousand word manuscript about teenage vampires. And what happened was there was an inexperienced assistant at Writer's House who was not aware that young adult literature is meant to cap out at around 60,000 words and sent her a positive response. Due to that error, the actual agent, Jody Reamer, ended up reading the manuscript and then signed hmm. Myers as a client. So, thus the story goes, there anyway. Go. Um, a little bit more about... Um, the process of publication. Uh, the first drafts of the book were actually titled Forks instead of Twilight. Um, that was the publisher that requested the title change wisely, I yep. think. I don't know if this would have done as well if it had been called Forks. Probably not. It's Twilight, a kind of a definitely. misleading title. I don't know if it's misleading. I get why you would title, I get why it would be titled that, but I think 
there's definitely more of a, a, a sexy mystery to oh, the, ti- sure. the title of Twilight yeah. than Forks. <laughs> <laughs> um, about the apple on the cover, um, Stephanie Meyer has said that that re- represents the forbidden fruit from the book of Genesis and Bella and Edward's forbidden love. So thank you for hitting us over the head with that symbolism genesis is quoted in like the first page of the yeah, book and is. i was like woof all right, <laughs> all right. <laughs> just you wait <laughs> just you wait my friend uh, myris has been quoted as saying it asks if you are going to bite in and discover the frightening possibilities around you or refuse and stay safe in the comfortable world you know so i have a hot take that it's not any of that it's just edward handing her the apple in the cafeteria (laughs) in that one scene where he gets lunch and hands her an apple and it's edward's hands yeah we've now headcanoned that it's edward's hands it's edward's very smooth i mean look how pale and they're very pale and smooth smooth. they're very very marbly yeah slightly feminine but that doesn't rule out edward (laughs) i yeah i think they're edward's hands it's my (laughs) headcanon hand in her apple awkwardly with two hands like a weirdo which would make sense I mean, chuckling as he does it <laughs> have an apple <laughs> by the way guys we've both been reading this and i think my favorite moment so far has been brian randomly turning to me in the middle of the book and asking me if edward was always such a chuckling fuck boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i was like absolutely yes <laughs> And the funny thing is, is that you hadn't even really gotten to, like, heavily hanging out with Edward yet. I mean, I was, like, 200 pages in, I think, when I said that. I'd seen him a a fair amount, and his whole, his only character trait for the first 200 pages of the book is smirking, being an asshole, uh, saying incomprehensible things and 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 smirk, chuckling like that was all his. That's all he does for the first. I mean, you pages. forgot being devastatingly. Oh, handsome. and being devastatingly handsome and having very cold skin. But like other than that, there's no defining character traits for Edward, and so that's yeah, it's all he is. I mean, yeah, we're gonna be digging into that okay. in the first installment <laughs> of our Twilight series. Um, so initial reviews were tw- for Twilight were generally positive. Uh, Publishers Weekly called Meyer one of the most promising new authors of 2005, and The Times praised the book for capturing perfectly the teenage feeling of sexual tension and alienation. Uh, some reviews were a little more mixed. Booklist wrote, There are flaws here, a plot that could have been tightened, mm. and over-reliance on adjectives and adverbs to bolster dialogue, but this dark romance seeps into the soul. While Kirkus said, Twilight is far from perfect. Edward's portrayal as a monstrous, tragic hero is overly Byronic, and Bella's appeal is based on magic rather than character. Nonetheless, the portrayal of dangerous lovers hits the spot. Fans of dark romance will find it hard to resist. And they did. That, that reviewer. Is Kirkus a person or that a... Oh, no. Kirkus is a, a review publication. Yeah, whoever, Kirkus whatever reviews. reviewer Kirkus there is really justifying their fucking... Kirkus is... Um, I've seen a lot of criticisms of Kirkus, but they're one of the biggest like book review publishers. I don't disagree with that review. I just think that per- that reviewer in particular was really justifying their degree with some of that. Because <laughs> I thought the same, the previous degree from book, book, book list, I also agreed with. Yeah. Uh, and they said it in a way that wasn't um, um, Kirkus, pretentious. Kirkus is, a, is more, yeah, it's more literary and more pretentious. Yeah. It's a big deal to have your book reviewed by Kirkus, or at least it historically has been. Um, but yeah, they are more like, quote unquote, literary yeah i actually do i it's not it's not i'm being overly like i'm being a little facetious it was i agree with that review so yeah they're right (laughs) yes um despite the the reviews um twilight reached number five on the new york times bestseller list within a month of its release and eventually did reach first place the novel was also named one of publishers weekly's best children's books of 2005 um 
Twilight was also on the American Library Association's top 10 list of most frequently challenged books of 2010 for containing a religious viewpoint and violence. The Twilight series was on the same list in 2009 for being, quote, sexually explicit, unsuited to age group, and having a religious viewpoint. I would really be interested to see what the, quote unquote, having a religious viewpoint means like what the person filing that would have been saying like because normally i just the people who go out of their way to challenge books being in libraries aren't typically the normally, people normally they would agree with her religious would, viewpoints yes yeah. would agree with her religious <laughs> viewpoint so it's i would be interested to see if it's people who like didn't get it which would make total sense to me if you mm-hmm. just like vampires, it's dark, it's demons, there are demons in that book. Like, yeah, maybe. you know what I mean? And yeah. so, the, or if they really do mean like people who, who read it and like understood like the underlying thematic message uh, uh, about like purity and like all this like weird yeah. baggage uh, of her sort of uh, Mormonism and stuff. Right? She is yeah. Mormon, right? And, and, and then challenged it on that grounds. That would be interesting. I, I would find that hard to believe because again, those, I'm being maybe uh, yeah. being biased, but the people who, who look, people like me, uh, big old uh, secular um, progressive atheists, don't normally go around challenging books from being in libraries. In, in libraries, I mean, now maybe challenges like if it was like part of a school curriculum in some way, potentially. But even then, it's so. Yeah, I read Paradise Lost and like what? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't buy that at all. It's not. It's the 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 symbolism and the and the religion in the book is isn't at least so far, and again maybe later, but is so nebulous at mm-hmm. least to some extent that it, I would find it hard to believe that it, it you could that a child reading it would be any sort of indoctrinated, apart from the, I don't know. I I, I think it gets it's a whole a, discussion. It gets I would just be really interested more. to see. Yeah, and it's def- definitely something we're going to be talking about. Yeah. It, it does, in my opinion, get a whole lot more ham-fisted in later books. Yeah. Like, the religious aspect of it. But yeah, I would be interested to know exactly who was challenging and this where, cause this is the, the religious viewpoint. Because this does say the American Library Association, and I would wonder if it was... Because in libraries, I would be astounded if, if like atheists were were like get this book out alive or like i would be astounded but uh and so which makes me think that's probably what i would i would want to know the context i want more of the context of that to mm-hmm. figure out what's going on there because that's very interesting to well me. maybe we can dig around a little bit on yeah. that and see what we can find um i have a couple other just a couple other notes twilight was also adapted into a two-part graphic novel released in 2009 and 2010 um, in 2015, in honor of the novel's 10th anniversary, Stephanie Meyer announced a new gender-swapped oh, version yeah. of it uh, titled Life and Death, Twilight Reimagined, with characters Bo and Edith. <laughs> and this might be my favorite thing ever. I just really love that she wrote her own gender-bent fanfic of her own novel i saw i guess it's because i've been googling twilight stuff recently i I got a a youtube recommendation i don't even remember who what who what youtuber it was um so i can't say if it was a a youtuber i agree with or not um in general but they they were reviewing that particular and i i didn't realize it was written by stephanie meyer i thought it was like they were like talking about a fanfic or something (laughs) i was like oh she went ahead and wrote her own yeah and i mean i have more power to her i guess um i've never read that one i feel kind of like maybe i should i feel like i would maybe enjoy that (laughs) it'd be interesting i wonder i wonder i wonder if it's uh if it's if she took that opportunity to address any of the other criticisms of you know what i mean yeah if you're rewriting I mean, it, my guess would be probably no. <laughs> probably no, but I would wonder. If <laughs> but maybe yeah, you, would you wonder. Go back and maybe maybe edit a little bit of stuff down here and there, or you know, swap around some adjectives. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just wondering, like, if if she would have taken that opportunity. I just want to know if Edith chuckles as much as Edward. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like, do does she literally just do a find and replace on Edward and swap <laughs> out? Like, or did she? <laughs> Like, or, or is it like a wholly different thing? Like, I don't know. Um, now I'm going to have to get my hands on a copy of this. 
That could be a good patron. <laughs> oh my All right, patrons, let us know if you want to hear our take on Twilight Reimagined with Bo and Edith. We're gonna have to. We'd have to do that uh, a little bit down the road after we're actually done with Twilight. Yeah. So. No. Yeah, I would want to read the whole series yeah. before we went and revisited that. Another thing we could do, because I know how much you love Edward. Oh yeah. The companion novel. Midnight Sun, which retells Twilight from Edward's point of view. Oh, oh no. Is actually set to be released August 4th, 2020. <sighs> because as I said, 2020 is the gift <sighs> that keeps on giving. That is also a mere six days before my <sighs> birthday. Why would... Did she write it? Did oh, that, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Um, a little bit about Midnight Sun. This is not in my notes, but she was actually writing Midnight Sun like forever ago, like in like 2007, 2008. And she and it got leaked. Oh, it sounds like, like the torture. first the first couple chapters of it got leaked. And she basically like threw a fit and shut the whole thing down and like refused oh, to release that any more was, of it. Was trying to do the world a service. <laughs> but now, now, it's coming out. No, oh. it's being released. You no. don't have to read that one. I, if, if no, we, thank you. If we want to do something about Midnight Sun, I'm happy to read it and just punish myself a little bit more. It's fine. Edward is the worst character. <laughs> I don't know. Now I I do I feel like we're just dunking on it a little bit. I, yeah, I but I'm not dunking on it as a whole. I'm dunking on Edward as a character. But I really I I have vague memories of reading like the first chapter of Midnight Sun on her website in like like I said like maybe 2007 or 2008. Now, years removed from that, I can't imagine wanting to reread the entire first novel from his point of view. Oh, it's just... But I'm willing to give it a go. No. No. All the things I like about the book have nothing to do... Like, it, it, it's nothing to do with Edward and the idea of reading it again solely from... Not, you know, primarily from his perspective and with all the tedium that of the first... Uh, just... there's okay we're getting too far yes too far down the rabbit (laughs) hole but i would like to know if he notes his chuckling as often as bella does there's got to be some stupid inside joke in in the in there about him chuckling like he's he's at home one day and it's like (laughs) alice is like you know you chuckle a lot you chuckle fuck and then (laughs) i don't know they probably all call him chuckle fuck at home I bet they all call him Chucklefuck. Chucklefuck boy. That's what I'm going to call him. (laughs) I'm not going to stop you. All right, let's have some movie facts. Chucklefuck boy is the perfect (laughs) nickname for Edward. It really is. Anyways, all right. Twilight movie facts. I know what you are. Your skin is pale white and ice cold. Don't go out into the sunlight. Say it out loud. Say it. Vampire. Are you afraid? No. This isn't real. This kind of stuff just doesn't exist. Doesn't my world. Twilight the Film is a 2008 movie directed by Catherine Hardwick, uh, most known for 13, Lords of Dogtown, and most recently Miss Bala, which I believe had (laughs) very... uh, Mixed reviews. Um, uh, the screenplay was adapted by, or the, the novel was adapted by uh, Melissa Rosenberg, uh, who wrote Step Up before this. Uh, also has worked in a lot of TV, including The O.C., uh, Dexter, which she wrote eight episodes of and was nominated for an Emmy. And uh, she was the creator and showrunner of Jessica Jones on Netflix. Hmm. The film stars Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson, obviously. Uh, and then secondary cast is a bunch of people. Yeah. Most of whom you actually aren't in a lot of other like big stuff. Mm-hmm. There's obviously there's your um, Anna Kendricks and, and, and people like that. But there's a lot of people and Taylor Lennon's. But there's a lot of people who weren't like a lot of the the Cullens and stuff aren't like big name actors. And that yeah. Sort of thing. But I have some other notes about them. 
Uh, it was originally opted by Paramount, uh, by Paramount's MTV, Vil- MTV Films section in 2004, uh, which was like a, one of their smaller studios within Paramount, and obviously MTV Films would make a lot of sense. Um, eventually, though, the rights uh, didn't go anywhere, and the rights were picked up by Summit Entertainment, who was launching their new like uh, full-service movie studio thing, uh, and thought this would be a good launching point, and there was a lot of details about the the financials of what happened there with Paramount basically right being able to write their stuff off as a as a loss and then sell it to Summit and it was complicated but interesting but I didn't put any of it in here because it's also kind of boring. I wonder if anybody got fired for that. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> uh, Hardwick and Rosenberg worked together on the screenplay. Uh, so uh, Rosenberg has the sole writing credit, but apparently Hardwick and Rosenberg both worked a lot on it together. Rosenberg said, our intent all along was to stay true to the book, and it has to do less with adapting it word for word and more with making sure the character arcs and emotional journeys are the same, which is something we talk about a lot. Hardwick apparently is the one who suggested you use a voiceover from Bella to convey her internal dialogue, because you're getting a lot of what Bella has to was thinking in the book, and yeah. that can be tough to translate. I mean, it is kind of imperative to the story. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Meyer, Stephanie Meyer was kept very involved in the production process. She visited the set quite a few times during filming and uh, was even asked to give notes on the script and on a rough cut of the film. And apparently Meyer uh, fought for one line in particular very hard. Uh, it's one of the most well-known lines from the book about the lion and the lamb. I just read that recently. Um, and she wanted that to be kept verbatim in the film, and I thought her reasoning was very interesting. Uh, I actually, this is quote, I actually think the way Melissa Rosenberg wrote it sounded better for the movie, but the problem is that that line is actually tattooed on people's bodies. I said, you know, if you take that one and change it, there's a potential backlash situ- situation. That is the most interesting reason. Right? I, I, I think it makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. Like, she she still even says, like, I preferred the way you wrote it, but like, people are going to be People are going to be real mad. <laughs> So I thought that was interesting. Hey, she knows her fan base. Yeah. Um, so there were four actors who were in the final four for the role of Edward. Uh, and I've heard of one of them <laughs> other than Robert Pattinson. So the final four were Shiloh Fernandez, Jackson Rathbone, Ben Barnes, and Robert Pattinson. Well, Ben, ben Obviously, Barnes. Yeah, that's why I said one of them. I've yeah. heard of Ben Barnes. Ben Barnes is, uh, he's been in quite a few things. He was in Stardust. He was in Stardust. He was in. Um, he was in um, an adaptation of The Picture of Dorian Gray. Yes. And uh, he was also he Prince was in, Caspian. He was Prince Caspian. He was uh, in the Punisher series. Mm-hmm. He was the uh, best friend or whatever of the Punisher in the first season. Uh, who's like runs at a security company or something. He's also going to be a thing which I am very excited about. A series I just finished uh, is the Shadow and Bone series. He was cast as the Darkling in that series, mm. who is the yeah, main antagonist. Um, and people are very excited about him being cast as the Darkling from what I have seen. Uh, this is a Netflix, they're making a Netflix series of that. Uh, well, they're making a Netflix series of that series combined with uh, Leigh Bardo who's the author's other series. They're doing both in one series, which is going to be interesting because I've only read one of them. So I haven't read the it's uh, six of crows or whatever. I haven't read, but um, Shiloh Fernandez, he's been in some stuff. And then Jackson Rathbone, I I didn't realize who he was. He, he was ended up being cast as one of the other Cullens. He got cast as Jasper. Yeah. Yeah, Yes. That is what it is. Shiloh Fernandez. I don't think I've ever heard of. I looked him up and he didn't look familiar, but yeah. Uh, so apparently Stephanie Meyer had imagined Henry Cavill in the role while she was writing the book, but by the time they got around to filming, uh, he was deemed too old for the role. Um, we talked about this a little bit before we recorded and I thought it was strange cause I couldn't figure out what he would have been in at that point for her to like know him from, but we realized it was probably, um, this is the Count of Monte Cristo, the Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah where he's in his he's he's like in period 18th dress century and garb and stuff looking very like kind of vampiric yeah he's very and pale it, and he's in his like 18th century clothing and it totally he he lo- he reminds me you know he it's it, you get a very um interview with a vampire yeah. kind of vibe from it yeah. so uh, if that's what she saw him in i could totally see why she would while she was writing couldn't think about him as in that role um they thought he was too old but they did end up offering him the role apparently of carlisle and he turned it down so 
The choice of Ashley Green uh, to portray Alice Colin was the subject of much fan criticism. Oh, I remember this backlash. Due to Green being seven inches taller than her character is described in the novel, which apparently they give an exact height of Alice in the novel. I don't remember that so far, but... I'm pretty sure they do somewhere, <laughs> That's yeah. weird. Maybe they do, and maybe I just forgot. Maybe they already did, and I forgot. She hasn't been in it a ton yet. I'm sure she will be more going forward when from where I am right now. But... Um, Meyer also stated that Rachel Lay Cook uh, resembled her vision of Alice, um, which Rachel Lay Cook is, uh, she's been in things, but the things she's probably most known for, there's some teen romantic comedy. She's all that. She's all that. Perhaps. She is the yes. main <laughs> character and she's all that. Yeah. Uh, Rachel Lefebvre, uh, who plays Victoria Sutherland, was interested in the role because she wanted to work with Hardwick and liked the idea of being a vampire. I mainly wanted to mention her because I remember when I saw this movie in theaters, I was like, holy shit, uh, I recognize her. She was, and I can't remember the character's name, I didn't look it up, um, she was the main female lead in the first season of Big Wolf on Campus, which if anybody knows who that, what that is, uh, you get points from me. Um, <laughs> Big Wolf on Campus is like a delightfully fun kids version of Buffy. It was like a Canadian TV show that ran for like three seasons. I think it played on like abc family or fox Fam- whatever the like because that ch- channel changed names like a million times mm-hmm. but like abc family or fox family or whatever and it's about a high school kid who ter- becomes a, ve- a werewolf and uh but then uses his werewolf powers to fight like a monster of the it's buffy yeah where he's fighting monsters of the week with like his friends and stuff and she was the the love interest in the first season of that show hmm. and and uh she leaves to go to college after the first season they get replace her with a different character in the second and third season but i i think that show's a lot of fun i don't know if you can even watch it anywhere anymore i don't know if it's I've anywhere never heard i don't of know this. if it's available to stream anywhere <laughs> i don't think it's even particularly good i really enjoyed it as a kid um for some reason i never watched buffy as a kid but i watched this show and again, it is more, it's a much more kid, fr- it's a yeah. more kid friendly version. Like it was t- specifically designed for like preteens and, you know, mm-hmm. that age range. Um, and I, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, so go check out Big Wolf on campus if you want to see more of Rachel Lefebvre or at least the first season. This is a weird thing, but I had to write it down and include it. On a bed in Catherine Hardwick's house is where Robert Pattinson kissed Kristen Stewart for the first time for the Twilight screen test. And then, quote, that bed made Pattinson who he is right now, says Nikki Reed. I don't know how to feel about any of that. So <laughs> it's kind just, of a weird it's thing. A to weird say. thing to say. Uh, Nikki Reed plays. Um, she plays Rosalie, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, yeah. And she was in uh, Thirteen. She was in Thirteen, which is Catherine Hardwick's first film, and co-wrote the film with Catherine Hardwick. Hmm. So the film primarily filmed uh, in Portland. Uh, not Forks, and none of the high school scenes were shot at the actual Forks High School. There is an actual Forks High School. They have the actual sign from the movie, basically, mm-hmm. which I don't know which what came first there. I don't know if the movie recreated the real sign or if the sign... Oh, I don't know. But they have the sign. I saw a picture of the actual school, and they have the sign from the movie outside, just like the for- home of the Spartan sign or whatever. Um, but they didn't film there. So the film grossed over $7 million dollars, in midnight showings alone, eventually making $392 million internationally over the course of its run. Its opening weekend gross was the highest ever for a female director, uh, passing Deep Impact, which I did not realize was directed by a woman. I didn't know who directed Deep Impact. Hmm. I assume I would have assumed it was like, uh, what's it like? Um, oh, no, Roland Emmerich. I would have assumed it was <laughs> Roland Emmerich. But anyways... Uh, and so, finally, the critical reception. Based on 219 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, the film is at 49% fresh. The critical consensus reads, Having lost much of its bite transitioning to the big screen, Twilight will please its devoted fans but do little for the uninitiated. Entertainment Weekly gave the film a B rating, and Owen Gleiberman praised Hardwick's direction. She has reconjured Meyer's novel as a cloudburst mood piece filled with stormy skies, rippling hormones, and understated visual effects. Rippling um, hormones is a hell of a phrase. Yep. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of mixed reviews. I remember, so I saw this movie when it came out in theaters because people I was friends with in high school at the time were big fans of the series mm-hmm. or of the books. Uh, and I remembered 
being like, yeah, that was fine. Like, uh, not hating, like, the movie. The, I thought it was fine. I was like, it's, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fine. I'll be interested to see now, having read the book. And I don't think I saw any of the sequels. Mm-hmm. Ever. Um, and I have not read any of the books until now. So I will be interested to see how I feel about it after reading the book and then yeah. going back and watching yeah, it. Yeah, right around the time the first movie came out was about when I started to lose interest in the series. Yeah. I know I saw the first one. I'm pretty sure I saw the second one. I don't think I saw any of the rest. I know some of the things that, like the meme things that ha- happen in later movies. Yeah. But I don't know any of the connectivity or the, any of the connecting tissue or anything. Um, <laughs> so that'll be interesting. Like I've seen the baby and stuff, yeah. but I don't know anything about yeah, why that baby comes from or why. for you to connect those cultural yeah. dots. <laughs> yeah, I know the baby. I know the, the thing about the battle in the last one that's like really crazy and weird, uh, at least in the movie, I, but I don't know if that's from the book or... Uh, anyways, so that'll be really interesting, but those are like the two things I know. The weird-looking baby and the, <laughs> and the battle. That's not a battle, but is. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to this whole series. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we're still working out if we're going to have any special guests for any segments or anything. Um, we may, we may not. Uh, but regardless, it'll be... What we do have, which I think will be interesting, is somebody who read all the books and was a fan versus somebody reading them for the first time, mm-hmm. which I think is an interesting dynamic that we haven't had. No, ever. yeah, we haven't had that. That's a dynamic that hasn't been on the show. We've had both diehard fans and somebody you know we've had somebody who did read and didn't we've had both diehard fans we've had all that stuff but we've never had first time reading long time fans so we'll see how it goes should be fun that's gonna do it for this episode you can tune back in uh these aren't available to stream anywhere we're gonna start doing Mm -hmm. this in these and unfortunately none of the twilight movies are available anywhere at least nowhere like that most people have yeah i think was it on hbo did we look up? I think it might have been on HBO Max or something. I didn't look on HBO. I could have swore that it might be available on, on like the HBO if you have the HBO streaming service. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong about that. Um, I think they air semi-frequently on Freeform. Yes, they do. So if you have like access to Freeform, you, you might be able to like set them to record. Yeah, that's actually how we... If you have like an old school DVR or if you have YouTube TV mm-hmm. or some other like live streaming TV service, we have YouTube TV and we were able to record them. Everyone but the first one. Yeah. <laughs> Which we're, we'll, we'll figure out. <laughs> Which I'm not at all salty about. Yeah. Uh, go ch- if your libraries are back open, go check them out uh, as safely as you can. Maybe they'll have some copies. I'm sure they'll have copies of... Yeah. yeah. So a lot um, of a lot of libraries are doing like curbside pickups. So yeah. Yeah. Just uh, check in with your local Check library. in with your local library, you can probably find a copy. Um and if not, like I said, I think I, I could be wrong, but I want to say maybe HBO or something had it. Uh, you can find it somewhere. Uh, they're also probably available or rent for like three bucks on Amazon. Yeah. If you can't find it anywhere else. So, uh until next week, one week's time, when we're talking about the very first in the Twilight saga. Twilight. <laughs> Until that time, guys, gals, non-binary, and everybody else. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And keep, keep being, being awesome. awesome.